Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Happy Tuesday. I am sick. Joe is sick. Everyone is sick. I think we have different things. I know I didn't get it from Joe. I haven't seen him in a few weeks. Um, but if sound a little under the weather, that is why I can trace my illness as with every illness in my house to one person, patient zero, my son, Max Jr. Um, <laughs> he brought something in the house. And it is working its way through everyone. So that's fun. Going to try and push through today and, and get through this interview. Because we have a big interview today. And why don't we bring her on, Miss Jill Smith. She has lots of experience in the healthcare industry. And wants to talk about the medical criminality going on. How patients are being treated. The rights that they have. So why don't we bring on Jill to the program now. Jill, welcome. Hi, Max. Thanks. Um, I have. I wanted to talk about today um, in the beginning, and I'm sure you might have some questions. But I started standing up after an experience with my dad in January. Um, he fell, had a hip replacement, and he's got you know comorbidities, Parkinson's, um, COPD. Um, and, you know, granted, a lot of people, elderly people, when they fall like that, they don't survive. That, that's There's a lot of statistics that support that. But it got to the point where um, they were withholding food and water from him um, based on his Parkinson's, saying that he needed a swallow study. Um, literally, the uh, speech therapist came in, put her hand on his neck and said, oh, his swallow is too weak. And so they made him NPO, nothing by mouth. Um, they were giving him ice chips, little ice chips, three to five an hour. That's it. Um, and, and my dad was asking for water. He was asking for water. He was asking to go home. He was coherent. He was awake. He was not laying there dying. It was, it was pretty awful, pretty traumatic. Um, a lot of, you know, standing up and arguing and, and those things happened. We ended up taking him home on hospice to get him out of there. Um, and after he got home, he improved. And this was not a COVID thing, had nothing to do with COVID. It was just in general. And it's protocols. When someone has Parkinson's in the hospital, they want to do a swallow study because a lot of Parkinson's yeah. patients eventually cannot swallow and they'll aspirate and get aspiration pneumonia. So it is a patient yeah. safety thing. Um, but again, you know, all patients are not the same and all protocols don't work for everybody. And, you know, um, it'd be one thing if they did the swallow study within a few hours, but it was, it was a couple of days and they still hadn't done it. So, um, I've seen this happen. And honestly, when I was starting telling, starting to tell people about it, I thought, oh, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, but I feel like they were trying to kill my dad. But then the more I talked about it and I talked to other healthcare workers, they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
So I started talking to people about patients' rights and standing up. And since then, yeah. I feel like it's gotten worse. I feel like I, I have many people I know. I have a friend's mother-in-law. Um, he lost his mother-in-law at Thanksgiving in another state, um, in Arizona. Um, they refused to give her monoclonal antibodies and said she didn't meet the criteria, even though she was 78 and had comorbidities. So, and they couldn't explain when they kept being pressed, why don't you give it to her? Oh, it's an outpatient treatment and she's an inpatient. I can't imagine as, as a healthcare worker, I can't imagine denying people the tr trying something that could save their life. I can't imagine what these healthcare workers are thinking when they keep people from their family members. I apologize, Max. It's okay. But um, it was so it was so close to home when it happened to us with my dad, and I see it play out with friends, with their loved ones. Um, I'm also seeing um, the vaxxed and the unvaxxed being treated differently. Um, and I have a couple of examples. I have a friend who went in and it was for COVID, went into the ER, admitted that they were vaxxed um, and they got extra um, treatment. They got extra tests. They got um, a bedside EKG. And this patient is not an old person. We'll say in their 30s. Nobody in their 30s gets a bedside EKG unless you come in with chest pain. But this person got a bedside EKG and they ran a D-dimer. Now, D-dimer is to check for blood clots after they confirmed which vaccination this person had received. So they know that the vaccinations are causing blood clots and heart damage. And that's why they did these extra things for this person that an unvaxxed person would not have received in the ER. I have another friend who brought their spouse to um, an ER for COVID. Um, it was, uh, and this person works at that particular hospital. And this spouse had um, O2 sats that were low, like in the 87 range, percent range. And they gave this spouse um, an antibiotic, azithromycin, and told them to take Advil and sent them home. Came back two days later, said, I just don't feel right. I can't breathe. I don't feel right. This time the patient still has low O2 sats, but is also coughing up blood and vomiting blood. And they said, well, stop taking Advil and go home and finish your antibiotics. Nobody treats a patient this way but they had admitted they were unvaccinated. Did they say that's why they weren't admitting this person? No, they didn't say it. But because of EMTALA, the federal law, they have to treat people in the, they can't turn anybody away in the emergency room. But do they have to treat you correctly? I guess not. And so this patient again went home and got worse. They finally presented to a different hospital. By the time this patient was admitted, lungs full of pulmonary embolisms, um, acute heart failure. I mean, this, this person almost died and it and was so from want, COVID. They, and... they sent them home coughing up blood. Yes, 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 absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question that is so far away from, uh, from proper protocol in how you would treat a patient, correct? Yes, it is. It's very far away from proper protocol on how you would treat a patient. Um, and now I, again, I don't have all, I don't have all of the particulars, uh, you know, to pass judgment without reading somebody's chart, you know, is not a fair thing to do. Not fair. I get that. And, and I won't do that, but I have so many friends that have had these different experiences that it really seems like vaxxed versus unvaxxed, um, seems to have a different protocol and hospitals are all based on protocols. Sorry about that. My dog is barking. 
it's all good. Yeah. Um, it's all good. It, it's all based on protocols. So, um, but, but again, we're not cattle and we're not, you know, we're not all the same, you know, Max, you're different from me. What works for you might not work for me. So I, and I understand they have to have protocols, but they have to actually make ethical decisions. And I, I wish that somebody, some healthcare worker listening to this would call you up, Max, and say, okay, this is why we feel good about keeping people from their loved ones while they're dying. This is why we feel good about not letting their primary care doctors get to them and, and, be involved in the treatment. I think they should, if they're going to do this stuff to people, you should be big enough to talk about it as if it's the right thing to do and explain why it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, so coughing up blood, I've never heard of anyone unless you could actually identify that they had a sore throat and that's where the blood was coming from. You, you don't just send someone home for coughing up blood. So that just seems Obviously, there was a failure somewhere along the line, right? There's a there's definitely a failure in, in how that per, that patient should have been treated, right? I mean, I, I can understand the blood clots with the with the vaccination. I mean, I'm sure they won't admit that that they, that they gave them extra treatment. What can people do going into the hospitals? Obviously, because what when you when you are admitted or or you go to the ER. Lots of it, lots of everything gets taken out of your hands, right? You're basically saying, "I'm, I need help. I'm going to trust you guys to help me." And yeah, they'll have you sign off on different things, but largely, you're you're not calling the shots when you go to the hospital. They're they're calling the shots. What can patients do to advocate for themselves? Like like if someone goes to the hospital with COVID, what should what should they do right off the bat to make sure that they're going to get the right treatment? Well, before anybody goes, and so it's it, what you said is sort of true and sort of not true. So when you go to an ER, um, you still can call the shots. And even when you're admitted, you can still call the shots. Legally, you're supposed to be able to do that. There is a thing called the Patient's Bill of Rights. And in fact, the state of Colorado has a Patient's Bill of Rights. There's a federal um, American Hospital Association has a Patient's Bill of Rights. Colorado State has their own Patient's Bill of Rights in the state of Colorado. And um, so everybody, and, and I, I can't stress this enough, a lot of people think, oh, I won't end up in the hospital or, you know, I'm not going to, or they'll say, I'm not going to go to a hospital. If I get sick, I'm not going to go. That's not necessarily realistic. Something might happen. It might not even be COVID. It's not realistic. You could fall and break a limb and need surgery, you know, in-house. You could get in a car accident. There's so many things that could happen, a heart attack, whatever, right? So at some point, somebody in your family or yourself is going to end up needing some hospital care. And what you have to do is you have to prepare for that ahead of time before you need it. Print out these patients' bill of rights, study them, know them. Um, for Colorado, and I have them pulled up here, for the state of Colorado, the first thing, the first patient bill of rights is the patient or where appropriate patient designated representative. So either the patient or the patient's designated representative has the right to participate in all decisions involving the patient's care or treatment. They have the right to refuse any drug, any test, any procedure, any treatment, and to be formed of the risk and benefits of, of all of those actions. So a lot of people yeah. think that, just like you said, when you go, you're at their mercy, and that's not true. But if well, you don't I'm, know that you so can stand what, up, you what won't. I, what, I'm more what I'm more referring to is, I guess I should clarify, that – I mean, you look at different studies, somewhere between 60 and 70% of people who die in the ER come either unconscious, 
in the in the act of having a heart attack or in the process of dying right when you when you come in in that way you're not in a position yeah. to consent to services you're when you're when you're already in cardiac arrest right they're going to do whatever they can to help you when you yeah. come in unconscious you're not going to be you're not going to be calling the shots and lots of people yeah they have the right. right to do so people also have the right to remain silent when they're arrested you'd be shocked at how right. many people start spouting off at police officers <laughs> yeah. admitting crimes That's true. in the back of a cop car right so people know their <laughs> yeah. rights they don't always exercise them so yes. i mean i guess that is step 1 making sure yes. people understand their rights um so if, if people were to exercise their rights if if they come in and they say i i am my o2 levels are low right i'm just feeling groggy they have a feeling it's covid what's the first thing that they should refuse if it if it starts getting recommended to them well I, i'll give you a personal experience so me and my family we had covid in april and two of my family members um ended up having to present to the ER because their oxygen saturations were on the low side. But they were talking just like you and me. You never would know that anything was wrong. Um, because of what I know, um, I had explained to them their rights. And um, one of my family members, they, they were gonna admit one of my family members and he said, no, you can send me home with home oxygen, but I'm not going to be admitted to the hospital. And they did not. They said, well, let me go check and see if we can. So they sent him home with oxygen. Same thing with the other one, my other family member. Um, and I was with um, I was with him um, in the ER because I had a horrible cough um, and I needed some steroids. Uh, they wanted to admit him. And he's talking just, just like you and I. Um, no shortness of breath, no nothing, but his O2 sats were low. And again, we said, no, there will be no admission you can send us home with home oxygen. And that's what happened. So you don't have to be admitted if they want to admit you. Um, it's still your choice. And if you were to get admitted, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, some people are saying they're getting admitted against their will. And I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure what that, you don't have details about that. But you can leave a hospital AMA. So if you are in a car accident and you're cognizant and you've got some injuries and they want to do some extra tests and you want to leave, you can get up and walk out anytime you want. You can either sign their form, leave against medical advice, or you mm -hmm. cannot sign their form, but you can leave anytime you want. But this is the thing that is not happening right now. They're not letting patients leave. They're not letting families. And you brought up a good thing too. So if you're brought into the ER and you've got, um, you're in a heart, you're having a heart attack and you're unconscious, that's the part where the number one in the patient's bill of rights says the patient designated representative has the right to participate in all decisions involving the patient's care or treatment because that patient is unconscious. But when they keep the family member away from the patient, then they're making all the decisions and yeah. they don't let the family participate. And that really is pretty much illegal to do that, but they're doing it. And that's the problem. So patients really have to, you, you, so, you know, everybody knows by now what, you know, tests and treatments are for COVID, right? They give you a lot of times azithromycin, dexamethasone. If you've got the COVID pneumonia, they'll give you oxygen. A lot of times I'm seeing that they're admitting people that don't even really need to be admitted, which prior to COVID, that was a thing. Case management works on whether or not a person medically should be admitted. Yeah, I, I see yeah, I see all the time that somebody, an older person is admitted to the hospital and they have tested positive for COVID, but they're asymptomatic the whole time. That would yeah. never happen prior to COVID. Never. They're taking up a hospital bed. Why would they do that? So no, everything that, is kind of upside down. 
This podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive. And yeah, insurance won't cover that either. Air Med Care Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy in the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Go, go ahead, Max. No, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense while they're also there's also a shortage of nurses because they keep firing unvaccinated yeah. nurses. Um, yes. <laughs> so if you have a shortage of medical staff, you would think that you'd want to keep the beds open for people who really need it. But we also know that hospitals get a kickback for every patient mm -hmm. that tests positive for COVID. So there is an incentive to fill beds with COVID yeah. patients. Yes, I don't. I, I I've heard a couple of stories of people being involuntarily. They say involuntarily um, admitted. I don't. I don't know all the specifics on that. I imagine that there might be some powers for a hospital to have. I don't think they've exercised it in a true like pandemic sense. That if someone is contagious with a with a deadly disease, they could block them from leaving. But I don't think any hospital has exercised those kind of powers. Um, or the CDC has exercised those powers. We're not we're not putting up plastic sheets around the hospital windows, right around their hospital doors, yeah. and locking them down. So I, I've heard some stories like that. It's terrifying. I don't know how much of that is just kind of miscommunication, where they signed a form being admitted and they really didn't realize what was going on. What about what about different drugs? Because there's there's obviously lots of talk about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, lots of drugs that are very cheap that have been mm -hmm. efficacious both uh, in vitro and in actual studies to, to help combat COVID-19 if given at the right point in the infection. Lots of cases we've heard of, of people being want to, wanting to be prescribed ivermectin, the hospitals refusing, J judges stepping and saying, no, you must allow them to take ivermectin, the hospital still refusing. What should a patient do in that situation? It's, it's really, it's really difficult, Max, because, um, there is a right to try law and, you know, there's a great website that people should visit. Um, and I got it shortly before we had this call today and it's the America's frontline doctors. And maybe, I don't know if you guys can send it out or put it, if you have a, a place to give that website out to people and it has in there everything that yes that's it yes medical advocacy and they've got in there the legal right to try laws they've got um what to do with withholding nutrition patients build of bills of rights things that you can do to prepare before you ever need to be hospitalized um i think this and this is from doctors themselves so it's 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 better than than what i can give people um but I know people, Max, that have taken ivermectin. I've taken ivermectin. I know people who've taken ivermectin, um, and it kept them out of the hospital. Um, probably about five people personally that I know. Um, I, it does work. Does it work for everybody? 
Probably not. If one thing does not work for anyone, for everybody, right? We're all different. It's like saying, do this diet. It'll work for everybody. We know that's not true because we've all tried different diets, right? Same thing for medications. Some medications, you know, give bad side effects to people. Some medications don't. Um, that same medication can be great for me and bad for you. It, 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 there's no one treatment for everybody. There's no one right way. But the thing that's concerning to me is, it appears to me that the hospitals are letting the government dictate what the treatments are and only those treatments. Um, and, and it does appear that from the friends that I know, the people that I know that have gone to the hospital that have been treated, um, if they've admitted they're unvaxxed, they're treated totally differently. And, and, and that one guy was sent home two different times and he almost died. Uh, and that was unnecessary. Was it because he was unvaxxed? I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. That'd be really hard to prove. But then the people that admitted they were vaxxed were treated normal, completely normal with extra tests. So I, you know, do with that what you will. I mean, um, if you've got a family member stuck in the hospital, um, the, 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 the bad thing is, sorry about that. The bad thing sorry. is okay. that um, the patient has all the rights, unless the patient is completely unconscious or, you know, cannot communicate, you know, something's going on, the patient has the rights. Now, their representative, you know, a power of attorney or whatever, uh, maybe their spouse or whoever their next of kin is, would have the rights in the case that they are not communicative. But it's really hard at that point to get somebody out of the hospital if they're that far down, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You, so, you can ask so, uh, to another hospital, but it doesn't uh, usually work. Yeah, go Jill, ahead. Jill, I want to ask you, um, there were a couple instances in Colorado and then also in, in Arizona, I believe. Um where, you know, the hospitals are absolutely disrespecting those, uh, you know, those, those rights. Um, there was one uh, th just recently that uh, we mentioned the last few days uh, where the hospital is absolutely disrespecting the rights of the uh, person in charge of their care who, who has those rights. So can you tell me, uh, I mean, wh what do people do and wh what kind of pitfalls can people uh, avoid, uh, you know, to avoid getting in a situation like that? Well, they can take a copy of the patient's bill of rights. There is a patient advocate at every hospital, and there's also an ethics committee at every hospital. And I would absolutely get in contact with them and start working there. Um, I know people have gotten attorneys and things, but it hasn't really been very successful going that route. Um, you can have your primary care physician try to get in to see uh, the family member. Um, but really, I think you have to take the rights and the laws and show it to them and say, look, I know my rights. We know our rights. You have to abide by these. And you kind of have to fight that way. That's how I did for my dad. Um, I let them know that I was fully well aware. I was in healthcare. I know what they know. And um, I said a few other things, but um, we ended up getting to see my dad <laughs> um, because I told them, I know, I know my rights. I know his rights. I'm in healthcare. I know what you know. This is not right. And the only reason you're okay with doing this is because you're standing on the other side of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was given hydroxychloroquine when I traveled into um, the Caribbean, Central America, just for malaria, just in case. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure I took ivermectin. I took some kind of antiparasitic after I uh, studied abroad in the Middle East. I mean, these are drugs that have have a really long and safe history. We give them to refugees. <laughs> we give we give ivermectin yeah. to refugees coming into the United States. 
to make to keep them healthy. The idea that an Afghan refugee can be given ivermectin without any doctor supervision whatsoever, but you can't have it in a hospital attached to all of these different machines monitoring your vitals. It just doesn't, right. it just doesn't make sense. And I, I, I love what the frontline doctors are doing and what other doctors are doing, helping people get hydroxychloroquine and get mm-hmm. um, ivermectin. But now the government is actually cracking down on that. If we can put on my, up my screen, Mr. Producer, this is a letter from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration showing that a shipment of 200 tablets of ivermectin had been seized at, where was that? At JFK Airport, I believe, in New York. Yeah, JFK Airport. They are now seizing these packages from overseas, foreign pharmacies, so that people can't get them. So now you have the Food and Drug Administration actually stopping people from getting their hands on potentially life-saving drugs. I mean, this just takes it another step, right? I mean, now it's not just the hospitals stopping you from getting it. Now they won't even let you buy it. Right. Right. And it's interesting that you brought that up, Max, because I received a letter just like that myself in November. Um, and a package of mine was seized um, in another state. And um, what they do is they destroy it and, and they won't let you have it because it's not, they can't verify. Again, it's for my safety, though. It's for my safety. Okay. For my safety, the FDA says you can't have this medicine or this package because we can't verify that it's safe. Yeah. So yes, that happened to me as well in November. Um, yeah. But you know, is, it seems Max is... that it it seems Max that rather than you know you hear so much stuff on the news, everybody needs to get vaccinated because we need to save people, save people, save people. But then when you talk to people about their experiences in the hospital, it doesn't seem like they're trying to save them at all. They don't want to let them try if remdesivir doesn't work, and it doesn't work for everybody, and it's public. You can publicly look online what happened when they were testing remdesivir with the Ebola virus. They had a 50% mortality rate. It, it damages some people's liver and kidneys. It's the truth. Is it damaging everybody's? No. Does it damage some people's? Yes. So everybody should understand that, right? So it seems like they just, it, there's such a push to keep us away from yeah, Bruce, they can't have ivermectin. Down. They can't have. Take that down. I can, go ahead. I can just put it up on my screen. Sorry, we we don't want to cover our faces with. with things. <laughs> just put that up here. He was putting this up on top of us. Um, oh yeah. So talk about this: the autoimmune hepatitis following COVID vaccination. I know you sent this over. So, can you tell us about this one. So I know of someone who got um, vaccinated fairly recently. And um, about two weeks later, ended up with autoimmune hepatitis. And um, also it had already progressed to uh, cirrhosis and liver failure. And that's crazy to me that somebody could get this so quickly and it could progress so fast. And so I was just Googling autoimmune hepatitis and I think I was looking up coagulopathy. I started typing in the CO and sure enough, this PubMed government article pops up and they are aware that the vaccinations can cause autoimmune hepatitis. Um, And this I think is dated July 3rd, I think, of this year. And at that point Uh... they say it's very, very, very rare. Is yeah, July published 3rd? in September. Yeah. Published in September, but they probably oh, okay. did the the study in June, July ish 
that would be my guess. But yeah, yeah, keep going. Sorry. At that point, Max, they had two people. They had two people that had um, come down with autoimmune hepatitis following COVID vaccinations. One died, one did not. Um, but I don't think anybody knows that they know that this could happen. So if you're deciding, should I take the vaccine? Should I not? Which we all have to decide that, right? And, and that should be an individual choice. Um, I need to know what my risks are because if you have the gene to where yeah. you would be susceptible to autoimmune hepatitis, then you can get that. And you don't know, I don't know what my genes are, right? Um, you probably don't know what your genes are. So it, you're, it's a shot in the dark. Now, is everybody who gets the vaccine getting autoimmune hepatitis? No, they're not. They're not. That would be hyperbole. That, that would be, you know, scare tactics. That's not what's happening. What I'm talking about is doing research. This stuff is on the internet. It's, it's, that's the National Library of Medicine, PubMed, NIH article. It's, you, know, you can search for these things and yeah. find them yourself. Um, there's so much information out there and, and it just seems to, we all are so divided, vaxxed versus unvaxxed. And honestly, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter whether I'm vaxxed or, and, and, and the other thing that I don't like that has seemed to disappear, Max, is what about, what about actual immunity? What about, I had it and I have the antibodies. Why does that not count? Why does it count? In it Russia, used to count. In Russia, they're, they're exempting them from vaccine requirements for one year after they get it after they get the virus yeah. so um, and that's fair. i guess if they, if they catch the virus again then they keep getting that renewal but they're basically saying there's no reason for us to force someone who just got out of the hospital to right. get vaccinated there's there's no scientific reason for it at all right you're right i mean that's something that um me and joe have gone back and forth on for a while um the the side effects of the vaccine are very very rare like mm -hmm. statistically they are rare um, obviously like injection site redness, those are the things that most people would get, but the really fatal side effects are statistically rare. That doesn't mean that it's not important to cover it, but they're rare. The problem is people can't make the informed consent decisions because right. they don't know the side effects. And the other bit is these are not being administered through people's physicians. If you take your kid right. to get vaccinated and your kid has been at the same, um, pediatrician's office for their entire life. That pediatrician has their medical records, right? They'll know their hospitalization records. They'll know their allergies and they'll be able to make a, a, a decision say, hey, you know what? Maybe this shot isn't good for them at this time because they might have this reaction, this reaction, this reaction. I had a terrible right. reaction to a tetanus shot in college, so I don't get tetanus shots anymore. Anytime I step on a rusty nail, I just go to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, that's my life yeah. now because I, I got right. a rash everywhere all over my body one day mm -hmm. after I got a tetanus shot. So I've, I've taken the other parts of the, uh, the TDAP or DTAP, whatever, and I haven't gotten a rash. So we've isolated it just to tetanus. That's, that's what gave me the rash. Um, when you, when you're administering these vaccines and you're having firefighters doing it, EMTs doing it, right. Volunteer doctors and nurses doing it, nothing against them, nothing against them at all, right. but they don't know their patient, the patient, they don't know their right. medical history. They don't know what is going to happen to that person. I mean, for all they know, this the person they're about to inject this vaccine into has a very serious complication. Mm -hmm. And and they're just willy-nilly trying to vaccinate everyone all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And li yeah. literally not caring about the side effects and writing off the side effects as that's just part and parcel, that's just part of doing business. Right? Oh, when you vaccinate right. the country, eventually you're just gonna lose a, a few thousand people. 
few th- right. uh, tens of thousands of people, whatever. Like they're just going to die of like kids are just going to have enlarged hearts. That's just how it works now. And right. I don't want to live in a country. I don't want to live in a country where the government just has the power to condemn people at random to death. Yeah. Cause that's what we're talking about with these mandates. It is Max. And it's completely the opposite of why we were locked down. Isn't it? Weren't we locked down if we can save just one life, if we can just save just one? But now that we're doing vaccines, well, hell, you know, eh, there's there you got to lose a few. I mean, again, yeah. none of this is consistent. Yeah. No, people in the comment section are saying that the side effects aren't rare. Side effects aren't rare. The vast majority of side effects are not fatal. So when you have reports of 158,000 adverse reactions, the vast majority of them are injection site redness which is just redness at the site at the injection site. So that is right there. I mean, that that's rare to have, it's rare to have a fatal reaction. We vaccinated tens of millions, hundreds, over a hundred million people in this country. And the statistically a very rare, a very small percentage of them have had fatal reactions to the vaccine. It's terrible. We've covered the cases where they have had fatalities on the show in depth, right? We've covered the kids who have dropped yeah. dead in school and it's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. But everyone who gets the vaccine doesn't die. Everyone who gets the vaccine doesn't get in, in a large heart, doesn't get pericarditis, myocarditis, doesn't get, it doesn't right. happen to everyone. And right. it's up to everyone to decide whether or not they believe that COVID is more dangerous than the side effects of the vaccine. Right. Well, yes. the, the it, other issue is too, especially might make, with the children though, is that um, you know, RFK Jr., um, he, he was talking about this in a recent interview that, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, statistically, it's not like a huge percentage of people. But uh, again, when these when the actual uh, fatality rate or the, the risk for children in particular is very low, uh, you know, what are they doing pushing this shot on kids where the figure I believe he mentioned was for every individual that they quote unquote save from COVID, you're, five of them are going to uh, come down with, with, uh, you know, the, with the heart issues. I mean, so then, then you have a real issue where you're condemning people to a, a life of suffering and of severe disability and, and death in, in many cases compared to something that's, you know, almost a non-issue. Well, uh, yeah, well, and, that, yeah. and that's something we I, have to see, Mac. And so think about this. So think about the kids that, or the adults, anybody that gets, say, autoimmune hepatitis, you know, after getting vaccinated. So what if they don't fairness, die from that for a couple years, cases. right? They uncovered two cases. Right. They're terrible that it happened. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to read the study to find out whether it can actually be assigned to the COVID vaccine. I don't know if maybe they already had hepatitis, right? Maybe they, maybe well, they already had hepatitis. One, I know of just, one Max here locally. I yeah. know of one here in, in this state. Well, I believe fairly it. recent. Yeah. And, and the thing that, the thing that I want to see is, so say this person dies in a couple of years from this autoimmune hepatitis that they got after getting vaccinated. Are they going to call that related to the vaccine? Because if you show up to the hospital right now, if I have COPD and heart failure and I show up with COVID and I end up dying, it's a COVID death. It doesn't matter what happened. It's a COVID death. So is that same, um, I guess, measuring stick going to be applied there? And I I suspect it is not, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. We have to wait and see. And and part of 
following the science, which we, we want to follow the science because Fauci is not the science, which he claims he is. Yeah, right. right. Part of the far <laughs> following science is actually looking at the data and crunching the numbers. Yes, mm -hmm. the vaccine should have gone through much more testing where we would be able to see yes. the, the results of this before it went into broad human trials. I mean, you have Fauci just the other day saying that we're just going to have to live with it being injected every year with a, with a booster without knowing what it's going to do. Absolutely, it should have gone through more trials, but the solution isn't to th toss out the data, right? We, we, we can't make the same mistakes that they make. We have to be smart with this. We have to take the, the right. data, the different um, results into account. Mm -hmm. Like with, with kids, I, I don't see any reason to, to vaccinate, widespread vaccinate children. I, I don't see right. it. I don't see how, I mean, in that case, a, as rare as side effects might be, it still just doesn't make sense. We, we were talking on the show a while ago. There was a study in um, in Great Britain, in the UK, where they found for every 1 million doses that were administered to children, they expected upwards of 24 kids to develop myocarditis. Wow. I mean, that, that might seem that might seem like it is just, you can write that off. That just happens. But no, that's more than the kids, the number of kids who would have died from COVID, right? I mean, the fatality yeah. rate among children for COVID-19 is fewer than 24 in a million. So yes. we, we have to, we, we, we can't just, that is very obvious data. And, and for some reason, the FDA CDC doesn't want to release the studies on the U.S. side because they've done studies. They've done mm -hmm. simulations on the U.S. side. They won't release it. We have to look elsewhere outside the country to find these results. And it really is terrifying. But it is. W when we talk about fatalities, we have to we have to be honest with the numbers. Right now, we don't know how many people have died from COVID from the COVID vaccine. We don't know. And sure. when we have sure. in this country a massive vaccination program to vaccinate everyone over the age of seventy five, right? You are going to have people over the age of seventy five pass away from natural causes, and and maybe it's because of the vaccine. Maybe it's not. We, we can't just say every 80-year-old who got vaccinated, if they ever throw a stroke, the vaccine did it. I mean, people who right. are 80 years old sometimes right. have strokes, sometimes have heart attacks. So that's what makes this so yeah. messy in trying to boil down just how many deaths can be attributed. You guys are absolutely right that if they had COVID, they'd automatically check that box. Out. Oh, it's a COVID death, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I think yeah. that we that people deserve better than that. And yeah, I, I, I get the whole, and I'm not saying you're saying that, but I get the whole like turnabout's fair play. If they're going to name it a COVID death, we're going to name it a vaccine death. I, I, well, I get that nervous. Be legit, we, we get that, yeah, that, that wouldn't, yeah. that wouldn't be legit. I, I, I agree. I mean, science has, you know, two sides, three, four or five. Sometimes there's multiple sides to science. Right. And I think the thing that a lot of us are, are tired of is we're not getting the truth from one side yeah. and that side only will consider their beliefs and part of the facts right and that's the problem and that's the problem we're having in the hospitals i believe that a lot of the healthcare workers in the hospitals for one i think there's a lot of good doctors out there still there are um there's good nurses out there too but when you're hanging up on somebody's family member, you're refusing to talk with them about, about the care, not letting them participate in the care, 
how can you justify that? How can anybody justify that kind of behavior in the name of what? Safety? Whose? Theirs? Mine? Whose safety? Who who are we trying to save here while, you know, I don't get to advocate, which I'm legally supposed to be able to do for my family member. I mean, there's, everything is so upside down and in, it seems like when you talk about vaxxed and unvaxxed, both sides can get too worked up, too worked up, and they can go too far in, you know, one direction. And in the hospitals, really, think about this. If if they're going to treat an unvaxxed person differently and, you know, not give them monoclonal antibodies or not give them whatever, okay, whatever they're going to do because they mm-hmm. feel like, well, this person should have got the vaccine. Fine. Are you going to do that to the smoker that has COPD that got burns on their face when they went outside the hospital because uh-huh. they wanted to still smoke on oxygen? You're going to just let them burn and not treat their burns? No, you're not because you get fired for that, right? Are yeah. you going to um, not treat the type two diabetic that's overweight that refuses to change their diet because, well, they brought it on themselves. No, because you'll get fired for that. So that was never okay before. Why is it okay now? It doesn't make any sense. Because mm-hmm. of politics, that's why that's why it's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, what you're talking about there, those are the death panels that we feared when Obamacare was rolled out. Now they didn't get truly materialized. Some people argue that they have been put into place in some respects. But when, when you're talking about a healthcare institution deciding whether or not to treat someone or not, whether or not someone should live or die, though it's essentially the death panels that we feared. And you're right. If, if the government has the ability to treat people differently based on their vaccination status, then they have the ability to, to treat people dis- differently, whether they have diabetes or not, right? right. Whether they're a smoker right. or not. I mean, right. you have doctors, you have nurses advocating not treating. COVID patients mm-hmm. who are unvaccinated. Right. Uh, and that goes that against work? the oath that they took. They took yes. an oath to do no harm, but now it's an oath that I can harm some if I believe that what their choice, the choice they made is wrong. What if, what if nurses and yeah. doctors back in the eighties and nineties had refused to treat AIDS patients? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, not safe, we, right? They thought it wasn't safe then. I mean, we, we see it even in like a, a more, hyper-specific case, what if two people come in with gunshot wounds, right? And just the the cop says, oh, one guy did it, one guy shot the other one, and the other one's in self-defense. Could you have a doctor say, oh, I don't want to treat this guy because I believe he was the aggressor in this situation? No, you you want They're not allowed to do that. Yeah, they're not allowed to do that. But when you open the door to allow them to treat people based on their prior prior actions, right? Because that's what they're talking about. Yeah, or, or belief systems that, that you yep. didn't want to get vaccinated, so therefore you don't care about society, so therefore we're not going right. to spend more resources than absolutely necessary. Right. Like You get what you deserve. It, yeah. Yeah, you can see how that slippery slope can get to the point of people getting refused treatment because they are presumed to be the school shooter as opposed to the kids who were vic- the victims, right? right? Who, right. who have an infectious disease that the doctor doesn't want to get themselves. It's a, it's a really nasty can of worms. Mm-hmm. And it we really see is. the same thing. I've been I've been talking this on the podcast in the legal profession too, of lawyers not wanting to take January sixth prisoners' cases because they don't want the entire establishment coming down on them. You see right. that Rudy Giuliani has been disbarred in New York City, but the two lawyers who threw a Molotov cocktail into a police car did not lose their law license. Right. right. So you see that lawyers are are afraid of who they're going to represent. What they they have all these loans. They went to school for all this time. They don't want to lose their law license because they represented someone right. um, that the media and the and the left hate. 
So we see this happening all around us in, in all different facets of society, and it terrifies the hell out of me. Yes, right. it is terrifying because there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, we can stand up. I think that, you know, the more people that do stand up, if, if, if you've got people in the hospital, you've got to stand up. Don't be afraid to question the doctor in the white coat. Don't be afraid to question what they're doing. Don't be afraid to ask why. Don't be afraid to say, no, I don't want that. People are afraid to, to contradict or to question a doctor. They might get mad. So what? A doctor is still a human being. They make good choices and bad choices, good recommendations and bad recommendations. And just like as in every other um, field of, of employment, right? There are good doctors and there are some not so good doctors. There are doctors that are really in it because they care about people. There are some doctors that are in it because they really like the money. You know, there's it runs the whole gamut. Same for nurses. I mean, people get burned out. People get burned out and maybe they feel trapped and they you know can't change careers or whatever but the thing is just because a doctor has an md behind his or her name doesn't mean what they're telling you to do is the only thing you should do yeah. you know and and if and the, the thing the my message to people is if you have a, a chronic illness learn about it know the ins and outs upside down backwards forwards know what an exacerbation looks like if that's possible know what the treatments are know what should be happening to you or to your loved one before you go to the hospital the time you're in the hospital is not the time to start oh no, I got to find this stuff out. We have to prepare ahead of time. Have your rights, your patient's bill of rights, have it with you, have it in your purse, have it in your car. You know, be ready to stand up and you can do it respectfully. You don't have to be mean. You can say, look, I don't want remdesivir. I'm not going to let you give that to me. You can do that with, you know, anything, any drug. I mean, it says specifically they can refuse any drug, test, procedure, or treatment and be informed of the risks and benefits of this action. Now, a lot of times, and and I fear that that you know in 2020 when people were not allowed to be in the hospitals, the staff got used to just making all the decisions and yeah. not having to run it by a family member. And and now they don't think they should have to run it by a family member. Well, if you're a healthcare worker and you take care of patients and you're doing this to people and you're listening to this, start thinking about if you would want that done to your family. How are you going to handle that now? Fortunately or unfortunately, if, if you go into a hospital with your, yourself or your family member and you identify yourself as I'm a healthcare worker, I know what you know, like I'm in the field, you get treated differently. You get um, yeah. information that most people won't get. You know, it, you get you get more um, uh, you get more say. But that's not how it should there's be. A, there's, a, because, there's also the other side of it that doctors make the worst patients. Because yes, yeah, they, that's and that like lawyers make the worst yeah. legal clients. Yeah, so th there is a double sided. There's a, a double. There is some of that uh, too. Yes, yes, yeah. there can be. Yeah, there well, can you, be. You mentioned you mentioned people going in and saying, "I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this." What well, I've recommended from the start is talk to your doctor, your actual mm -hmm. physician, the person, yeah. the doctor who knows you best, and walk through your concerns. Maybe yes. the doctor agrees with you. Maybe the doctor doesn't, but the doctor might be able to explain it in ways you haven't thought about yet because that's what informed consent is all about. Informed consent yeah. isn't that, oh, well, I heard this on the Conservative Daily Podcast or right. oh, I heard this on this website, right. this website, so I'm going to go against medical advice. No, informed consent is actually getting all of the information in front of you, yeah. pro, con, and making the decision yeah. yourself because then you own the consequences, right? You own yes. yeah. the benefits, you own the, the failures. So that's part of part of it is not just going in saying, I don't want this, 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 this. Right, right. Make that decision as you get to it, but absolutely ask them to explain it to you, walk you through it. 
read the damn forms that come with the, yeah. with the prescriptions, the ones that you, that come to you like this big and you unpack yeah. them and it ends up being as tall <laughs> and as we you rip them up and throw them away. Yeah. 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 Well read them because if you're in the hospital, you have all the time in the world. There's no excuse not to read every single word. Well, on and Max, you list. bring up you bring up a good point too. So here's something else that's supposed to happen in the hospital. So say you're in the hospital, right? And a, a nurse comes in and they've got something in a syringe and they're going to put it in your IV. They're supposed to stop and tell you, "Hi, my name is Susie, and yeah. I'm going to give you some fentanyl in your IV." But they don't do that very often anymore. They <laughs> don't explain what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, to to give you, you know, to give you the opportunity to be like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that, or I'm not sure what that is. Can I talk to the doctor or, before you yeah. give that to me? Or I'm a recovering substance abuser, not me, but maybe someone yeah. in that case. I'm recovering from substance right. abuse. Please don't give me fentanyl. I don't want to get right. back on heroin. Like, like yeah, right. no, it, it's important, and they don't know your whole history, so it's right. important to to proactively. You know, I, I've been in the hospital a few times when I was younger football injuries and things like that. And I know exactly what you're talking about. They come in, mm -hmm. boop, put it in the yeah. IV. Or they in, hand in the you something, say, here, take this. And yeah. you're like, yeah. uh, why? Yeah. But but Max, most people don't ask. They just do it. And this is the thing. Don't assume that that what they're doing is something that you want or it's something that's best for you. Ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Ask questions. Are there any alternatives that I could have to fentanyl? Well, yes, maybe yeah. you could try, um, you know, ibuprofen or maybe you could try naproxen and if that doesn't work then we can escalate maybe to a higher you know there are other options and so but yeah. if you don't ask and if you just take whatever they give you then you're not even you're not even participating and then four or five days in now some the patient's upset or the family's upset well the time that you establish who you are and the fact that you're going to be involved and that you know more than the average person is when you get it in the beginning in the beginning, you know, I'm not going to, you can't just do to me whatever you want. I'm going to ask you, I want to know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to be an, you know, proactive in my healthcare. So people are afraid to do that though. And, and that's what I'm trying to get people over. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Ask. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm so damn cheap. I see the bills. <laughs> I know that they charge you $30 a Tylenol. So like when my wife goes in for, I don't think we're having any more kids, but when she would go in for uh, delivery for our children inside the go bag. I have a little bottle of aspirin, a little yeah. bottle of Tylenol, Advil, ibuprofen, Motrin, mm -hmm. because I'd rather buy it at the corner store for five bucks a bottle than pay thirty dollars a pill. Because <laughs> I'm just a, I'm and just I, a cheap and, ass. And you, yeah, <laughs> and you you bring up another good point. And I've done the same thing. Just don't let them catch you doing it while you're in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, I always make friends with the nurses. They're they're always okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, because technically they have a rule that you can't bring outside medications in and take it yourself or administer it to somebody, but you know, yeah. they don't always yeah. see it. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I've never ran into problems with it. Uh, they always laugh and say, oh yeah, it costs $40 a pill. It's insane. Well, it does. Um, it and, does. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Or, or maybe yeah. they open, uh, you know, like, so um, insulin is $150 for a vial. They open one yeah. bottle to give, you, you know, yeah. your family member three shots during, you know, the three days they were there. And then that's yours. But I don't know that they give it to you. But you're paying for yeah. the whole bottle. I mean, yeah. That's... Yeah, no, I, th I think they, they have much, a much bigger problem if I start walking in with saline bags and, and hanging them up myself and say, oh, no, I got these. <laughs> I got these at the medical supply store. For a dollar fifty, you're not charging me a hundred bucks. Then I think I get stopped. But but slipping uh, yeah, my wife a couple of <laughs> I think I think we're gonna be good. Well, well, yeah. Jill, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. I want to give you the final word. 
um, for anyone who's listening, just wrap it, wrap up of what they should do to make sure that their rights are protected. Well, I, in light of that website that you put up on the screen from America's Frontline Doctors, I they should go there. The patient's rights are there. Um, whatever state you live in, pull up uh, the patient's rights for that state. They might be slightly different. Sometimes each hospital has patient's rights that are specific to the hospital. You can find all of that online. Make sure you understand them. Practice saying no or questioning somebody. If you have to practice with a friend or a family member before you ever need to, it's okay to question what's going on with you and your family member. It's not rude. You don't have to be mean. It's okay. Um, learn about your conditions and your family member's conditions. Don't go in blindsided. You have to, if you have diabetes, you've got to know the ins and outs of all of it. Yeah. If you've got heart failure, you got to know, you know, can it be exacerbated? What do they typically do if it, if I have to be admitted so that you would know what to expect and you can see, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know that this should be happening. Can you explain why you're doing this? You know, stop for a minute and just stop them. And then remember, you don't have to be admitted if you don't want to, and you don't feel like you should be admitted. You can say no. Um, you don't have to, if an ambulance is called, you don't have to go with them. You can say no. No, and they're usually pretty good at telling you that you don't have to go. Um, but really, the patient has all the rights, and you've got to know how to exercise them and actually use yeah. those rights. I can't stress that enough. And one thing I'll add is be be honest, right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard people on the forums they leave things off because they're embarrassed, or they leave things mm -hmm. off because they don't think the doctor needs to know that they were out drinking the night before. Okay, or that they right. might have taken some illegal drugs, right? If sure. they ask you whether you're vaccinated or not, tell them because as we talked about, yeah, sure, you might get discriminated against, but the protocols are likely very different on whether or not you've been vaccinated. Be honest with your medical history and get as, as many opinions as you can and make the best decision you can for yourself. Um, just, just don't lie. <laughs> don't lie in the forums. If you have diabetes, tell them you have diabetes. Don't right. Just, yeah. Some some it. of those lies can be life threatening. Yeah. Certain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like omitting the medicines and things, like you said. And and even family history too. If you know that mm -hmm. everyone in your family has died of a heart attack and you're coming in with chest failure or chest pains, don't hide that. Don't say you're just having right. a panic attack. Let them know as much as right. you know, so they they can make the best decision. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we've heard a lot of stories about bad doctors, bad nurses. But I do think, as is the case with most people, that the majority of doctors just want to help as many people as possible. Yeah, yes, they there might, are they good make doctors. Mistakes. Yes, good nurses. And, and the hospitals aren't all horrible. You just have to know how to navigate it, right? It's not really realistic that everybody can stay out of the hospital forever. So you got to yeah. know how to work with them and, and, and navigate. And Max, that's not the time to start fighting like a mask mandate. Like if you in the hospital yeah. or your loved ones in the hospital, yeah. that's not the time to fight the masks because you need help. Yeah. And, you know, you got to play the game so you can get in there and be with your family. So, I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of, you know, we can work well, together. Things, we don't have yeah. to agree on everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well Jill, I want to thank you so much for coming by. I'd love to have you back to talk more about this as the rest of these, all these issues uh, uh, develop. But thank you so much for stopping by today, Jill. Thanks for having me, Mac. Have a good one. You too.
Well, that is going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, one of the ways you can support us is by using some of the links in the description for our sponsors. For example, MyPillow. When you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CD21, you're going to get up to 66% off your order. So not only are you going to support Mike Lindell, a great American patriot, not only are you going to support this made in America business, but you're also going to support us because we do get a small commission from those sales. The same is true with um, Liberty Cigars. When you go to Liberty Cigars, you use promo code CD21. You're going to get a free cigar on top of all orders over $76. That's a no-brainer. So these cigars are all historically themed. They're named after presidents. They're named after great uh, people from history who have helped the United States. Um, so make sure you check this out. If, if you have someone in your life who enjoys smoking cigars and loves history, it's a great present to get them this Christmas. So check out LibertyCigars.com. Use promo code CD21 again to get one, one free cigar on all orders over $76. And of course, go to the Conservative Daily store, store.conservative-daily.com. We have a bunch of Christmas t-shirts and a bunch of other anti-Joe Biden t-shirts, great conservative apparel. So check that out. That, that would make great gifts this holiday season, Christmas season as well. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>